Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of the FNM Doing a Podcast. I'm Curtis, Wakanda's variant MC Brief Counselor. Today it's Sunday. I'm off tomorrow and the next day. I'm feeling really great about it. After after my Saturday kind of punched me in the gut in a lot of ways. It feels good to kind of take some time off and get a away from work that's always good but this episode isn't going to be the existential question mortality episode or we're talking about pandemic because let's talk about what I love to talk about let's talk about 80s movies or at least the under the radar movies that don't get any love but they really should get some love because As you all know, I'm an old head whose teenage years were in the 80s. And it's a timeline that I love. Uh, For movies and films, it was honestly the greatest era. I'm not even going to say or stress it's not. I mean... That summer of 85 and 84 and 83 were just, they built what all, what Hollywood has, you know, I mean, they trying to reclaim, trying to make, bring back somehow. They want to bring back the summer of the 80s. But I don't think that can happen now. Even without a pandemic, where that timeline of the 80s was magical. And in this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about why I love that decade and why that decade still holds up when it comes to film and TV. So, let's just uh, talk a little bit, shall we? The best part about, oh, not the best part, but one of the best parts about the uh, growing up in the 80s when it came to movies is that's really where my love of film built, was built basically. It's where my love of film was fueled. I mean, can you blame me? I mean, we, we come from, those of us that lived in the 80s, we come from a timeline that produced over 50 blockbusters. The 90s can't say that. And everywhere, other decade cannot say that. Oh, but this made money. It's not about making the money, although it was for the 80s. These are films that are either copied, pasted, and built a fabric of Hollywood. I mean, how many 80s films have in some way brought life to what you're watching now? Stranger Things. Uh, the boys, 
I mean, it's 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 all it's they're all out there on what they built, and we can't. Well, not we can't, but we can't really deny it. Let's just say, let's keep it real. We can't deny it. They built the fabric. They built a blueprint that your favorite TV show, your favorite movie copies from. The only era, the only era in our timeline for movies that has any stronghold and will consistently have that, and that's for another conversation, is the MCU. Other than that, these movies, these movies I'm going to talk about real quick are going to be movies that touched me in some form or fashion and lives rent-free in my head on a few of them. I mean, I'm going to ramble off a brand. I'm going to throw around a list and if you happen to recognize that movie or film, holler at me on Twitter. Let me know on Facebook. Uh, today, there was... What sparked this podcast episode? There was a... A, a question that was a... Actually, a, a tweet that popped up. Of people picking their four favorite movies that... You love more than anything else that no one else really loves. And it's funny. The films that were being picked were films that stuck out to me as the movies I loved. Dreamscape was one. Uh, Dreamscape is also on my list of these movies I love. And not a lot of people recognize them or they get not a lot of attention. But Dreamscape was one. Uh, Dreamscape... And I'm, I don't know all the technical stories on Dreamscape, the backstory on it or anything. This isn't one of those cinephile episodes. This is more about just what you love. Movie film therapy, as I call it. Uh, Dreamscape came out in the 80s. It uh, starred uh, uh, Steven Spielberg's wife, uh, I'm trying to remember, Kate Capshaw and Dennis Quaid and Eddie Albert. And it was a small film. It wasn't a blockbuster type of film, but it was a small film. Dennis Quaid made up. Honestly, Dennis Quaid made a lot of fun films in the 80s that stick out. Uh, Great Balls of Fire, uh, Dreamscape, Inner Space. He was really heavy in the sci-fi because he did a lot of sci-fi stuff. Uh, Enemy Mine was another one with Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid, man, Dennis Quaid doesn't get up doesn't get the appreciation he deserves for what he did with sci-fi and what he did with uh, the sci-fi comedy. But uh, Dennis Quaid deserves his props. But in the film, he played a guy who could enter dreams. And there didn't need to be no technical reason why he was going into them, but he was able to do it. And he ends up working with uh, a gov- the government. They want to find out what's wrong with the president. There's something wrong with the president. And so he goes to, and he gets ch- the chance to enter the president's mind, dream. 
And he goes into his dream and he finds out that the president is being terrorized in the dream by someone who becomes a snake, who enters his dreams through his trauma and tries to kill him. Because in dreams, for the logic of the film, you die. If you die in the dream, you die in real life. And so he's noticed this has happened several times. He noticed that uh, they, not telling the whole entire plot, you need to see this movie, but there there ends up being a, a group of people who are suddenly having heart attacks and dying. And the person who happens to be... Uh, who happens to be involved was a guy who uh, was chosen to enter the dream and they just happened to have a heart attack when he came. Turns out this guy's a serial killer. He's a nut. Um, but there's more to the story and it's a great film. I liked it a lot. Running Scared with Gregory Hines and Billy Crystal was a fun one. Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines when I say those names, if you know who they are, you don't really see them as action stars. Billy Crystal, the comedian, Gregory Hines, the entertainer, tap dancer, extraordinaire. Uh, they were action stars in this film. They uh, play two cops who uh, were on the verge of retirement and they end up having to uh, deal with a drug dealer, drug lord from the cartel. And long story short, it becomes a, it's a very fun film. It's a very fun action comedy. During the 80s, there were several action comedies that uh, were leaning toward either being about uh, either either being about uh, a cop and what he has to deal with or being about just simple stuff. And they made a movie off of those things. That's what happened in the 80s. They didn't have a plot. They weren't trying to make a franchise. They weren't trying to make a sequel. That's the problem, sidebar. That's the problem that I feel that is going on with Hollywood. They, they make an action movie. And they have to have... Oh my god. They have to create a universe around this action film. There was no running scared universe. It was just a simple, fun action film, comedy in it, that worked. They didn't have to go for cheap gags. They told their they told the story in its in, in its uh, entirety. And that was it. They weren't trying to do anything else. And it was a fun film. Uh, I liked it a lot. I thought it was really fun. If you ever get a chance, uh, I don't know if it's on any main streaming services but if you get a chance check it out uh, I couldn't even pin you toward one maybe maybe Tubi might be toward that one who knows Tubi has a lot of old 80s films uh, 80s obscure films that you probably wouldn't know about but if you do recognize them get them uh, but Tubi was also a uh, another one that comes to mind another one that comes to mind is 3 o'clock high 3 o'clock high is a comedy set in a high school about a kid who accidentally uh, hits or touches 
this bully, this bully was rumored to be involved in all kinds of shit in their previous classes, schools. He's a nightmare and a terror to everyone. And this kid accidentally pushes him, hits him, uh, and the bully challenges him to a fight at three o'clock. So the kid doesn't want to fight him. The kid is like, I gotta find a way to get out of here before three o'clock or I'm dead. And so he spends the movie either trying to get out by talking to the principal and the principal is like, I'm not gonna release you. And I don't want that guy mad at me because I let you go. Like, he's, a, he's a threat, he's a danger. The principal is scared of him. Um, the kid, and I won't tell the whole story, you have to check this out, this movie is definitely on Tubi, because I think I remember seeing it a few weeks, months ago. Uh, I haven't seen it in years, until like, when I got to watch it on Tubi. I love this film. There's so many, there's, it's, there's so many good things about this film. This kid goes from, he's trying to figure out how to get out of class, He's trying to figure out how to get out of the school before this bully kills him. And when we get to the inevitable three o'clock, it's insane. But I had so much fun watching it. Another film that comes to mind is John Candy's Armed and Dangerous. Uh, John Candy, everyone should know, every generation should know John Candy. Basically, I mean, he's he's... He's timeless. I I don't know what to say about him. He's such a great guy. He passed away way too soon in his life. And he gave us a lot of films in the 80s and 90s. Um, one that sticks out for me because it doesn't get a lot of attention, and that's why we're talking about it, is Armed and Dangerous. It, was, it starred him and Eugene Levy. Levy. Uh, it's another action comedy because the 80s was filled with so many action comedies that they get kind of ignored. And these action comedies stick out the most for me. It's action comedy. They played uh, two uh, security guards who are assigned to the worst security guard, I guess, uh, company uh, made up of ex-convicts. And they're assigned to a job at a, at, a, at a facility. And when this facility gets robbed, they find out there might be some ties to this security job that they got. And so they investigate. Um, John Candy plays an ex-cop who gets fired from his case because of an involvement with... Uh, Watching a, a, a raid, and then he gets involved, and he be, and he's a security guard, so he picks up on his police instincts to investigate what's happening. Meg Ryan is in this film as well. Uh, Tiny Zeus Lister is in this film as well. It's a fun film. There's a lot of people you recognize in it if you watch 80s films. Uh, Robert Loge is in this uh, as a scumbag. He's always a scumbag in his films. Uh, but I liked it a lot. It was a fun movie. Um, another one would be Gene Hackman and Runaway Train. Uh, if you know who Gene Hackman is, Hackman 
dominated the 80s. I swear. Gene Hackman, I think... Gene Hackman was like The Rock in terms of movies. He had a movie... Every, it seemed like Gene Hackman had a movie every three years that a Hackman movie would come out. I don't know what it was, but he was making his movies back to back, I think. Because he had so many movies. I think the last one that comes to mind for everyone that watches film would be Enemy of the State. I think that was really the last Gene Hackman one. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Quick and the Dead was another one from the 90s uh, that he did. But Runaway Train, I think I want to say it was Runaway Train. It may not be called Runaway Train. But it was it was and it was him. Uh, I don't know the females the, the female uh, uh, co lead in this film, but it involved him uh, taking a woman who was under witness protection and getting her somewhere safely on a train, and it doesn't work out as planned. And it was a great film. It was a really great film. But uh, yeah, uh, there's a lot of other films out there. Uh, I shared them on Twitter, what my top five would be in this case. Uh, Making the Grade, oh my god. Making the Grade was another film that sticks out for me because it was a fun film. Uh, Making the Grade uh, star, uh, I'm trying to remember his name now, oh my god. My, the name escapes me from The Breakfast Club. His name still escapes me. It'll probably pop up as I'm talking about it. But he was the uh, bully, not bully. Uh, he was the, well, yeah, I guess out, outcast of the Breakfast Club. And in this film, he played kind of like another outcast. Uh, Andrew Dice Clay's in this film. But he played a guy who basically switches places with a rich kid. They did not look like, they did not look, they did not, they did not look the same at all. But for Hollywood and movie for 80s movies this plot worked he would he would play the the rich kid who uh, was was basically posing as a rich kid in this prep school and he flipped it around because he's he's he likes the rock he's cool you know he's got the and He's, just, he's in a prep school. Fish out of water situation. That's what the 80s. The 80s there were a lot of fish out of water movies. And a lot of them. Were a dime a dozen. Some work. Making the grade for me worked. Uh, they bragged about a sequel. And it did not happen of course. Making a grade was a. It's a simple little film. I, I, I liked it. I thought it was really fun. Uh, I crushed like no other. On the uh, blonde co-lead in this film uh i don't know what happened to her i think she I think she stopped being uh i think she got got out hollywood altogether. but it was a fun film uh andrew dice clay is in it andrew dice clay if you know who i'm talking about uh, i'm not gonna go to his backstory he is a legendary comedian became very famous for his raunchy bits and unapologetic humor uh, but he was in it one of his early films uh, it was a fun film I liked watching it I had a lot of fun watching it but yeah uh, 80s films they have a lot uh, there's a lot of them and 
every once in a while I'll do a whole episode talking about them and how much I love them and maybe shed a few tidbits there, a few nuggets of films that I like where they go with them. But uh, this has been F and I'm doing a podcast and we will talk again shortly.